Welcome to Whipple's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Whipple. Will he stay or will he go? That's the $64,000 question regarding Aaron Rodgers' future with the Green Bay Packers. Hi, I'm Gary Wolfel, and thanks for joining Rob Reich one night for a Packers post-draft podcast, one that will be focusing primarily on the draft and how the Packers fared in it. But Rob and I will also be bantering about another very, very, very hot topic, and that is, of course, the Rodgers Packers soap opera. Good day, Rob. Good morning, Harry. How are you doing? Good, good. Are you uh, fully recovered from another scintillating NFL draft? I am. It, it took a day or two, Gary. Those those are long days, as as you well know, and you had your share of them with the Bucks and all that. It's it's even crazier in the NFL, you know, when you get nine, ten picks like the Packers have a lot of these years. But yeah, we'll get into that shortly. I thought they had a great draft, but it was obviously overshadowed by, you know, the the petulant child who plays quarterback over there. Now, who would that be? <laughs> I can't think of anybody. And, and we're not talking, to, we're not talking to George Love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let, let's, let's uh, get into the uh, Aaron Rodgers, Mr. Jeopardy uh, soap opera here. I mean, I mean, I mean it, it's crazy. You know, and I, you and I have talked about this in the past, about the Brett Fire Packer uh, fiasco, but uh, this is starting to rival it, Rob. It, it, it's getting close. Yeah, and you know, Gary, there's a lot of the onion here we'll peel as as we go along here. You know, the first and the biggest thing I think the Packers have to have learned from the summer of 2008 is is they cannot let this get to the middle of July, the start of August, even later than that, and and drag closer and closer to their season because it, it will ruin it. I mean, Gary, I was over there almost every day in the summer of 2008 when all the craziness with Brett was going on and, you know, Greta Van Susteren had her interview and, and every national uh, media outlet and pundit was there. And I mean, Gary, you'd, you'd watch them practice through the course of a day. You know, Aaron was obviously playing quarterback. You'd watch Ryan Grant run the football. You'd watch Charles Woodson make a great play. And we'd all go into the locker room, Gary, and no one would ask a single thing about, you know, the practice that just unfolded, maybe a competition at guard, um, maybe the preseason opponent that was coming that Saturday night or anything like that. Every single question was Brett, Aaron, Brett, Aaron, Brett, Aaron, back and forth. And Gary, I'm telling you, it exhausted those guys and it took a toll. And, and Gary, they, they I, I'm not saying that's the overriding factor or number one reason they went six and 10 in 2008, but they were coming off a 13 and three NFC championship season or trip to the NFC championship game in 07. And then they took, then they went backwards seven games in 2008. And I'm telling you the summer of 2008 played a large role in that. There were other things too. Aaron certainly wasn't as good as Brett that first year that, that he played quarterback in green Bay, but Gary, I'm telling you that summer was almost a wasted summer from a training camp standpoint. And they cannot have another one of those. They need to get this thing figured out by, I would say, June 15th at the latest or something like that. I just, the longer this drags out, the the worse it is for, for the organization. You know, Gary, I, I think they have a remarkable opportunity here with the potential of trading Rodgers at an all-time high or, or near an all-time high 
you know, coming off a season where he had 48 touchdowns and, and five interceptions only, he was the MVP for the third time. I mean, you're selling an asset, Gary, extremely high. And, and the quarterback market has never been this high, right? Let's just, let's examine what Detroit just got for Matthew Stafford in that trade with the Rams. Two ones, a three, and a quarterback coming back in Jared Goff. And we all know Aaron Rodgers, you know, is, is certainly the superior player to Matthew Stafford, even though, Gary, you know my love for Matthew Stafford. Um, but, uh, you know, Rodgers would probably, Gary, command at least two ones, and a couple of twos, he could. You could get three ones for him. You could get another starter or two along. In, in other words, we could have a John Hiddle trade here. You absolutely could. The right direction for Packer Nation, right? Absolutely. Um, the key in all this, Gary. I mean, it's really simple. Can Jordan Love play? If Jordan mm. Love, Gary, can play, this is a this is an unbelievably well constructed football team right now. Um, there are not many holes on this roster and Gary, if, if, if they accumulate that level of draft capital to go ahead and load up at certain positions over the next two or three drafts, if they get a couple of players back in the Rogers trade, let's just say it's with Denver and they get a wide receiver, Gary, like a Jerry Judy, or if it's the Raiders and you trade and you get the wide receiver, Henry Ruggs, and now you've got a legitimate two sitting there with with Devontae Adams and you've got all those draft picks coming up over the next couple of years and Jordan Love Gary on a rookie deal for four million dollars shows you who can play people will forget Aaron Rodgers very quickly around here much like they did Brett Favre for a few years after the Packers won the Super Bowl in 2010 there's always that next guy Gary and and I know a lot of Packer Nation right now feels like the sky is falling but I'm telling you if, if, if Jordan Love can play if he's even between 12 and 15 Gary among quarterbacks in the National Football League here over the next year or two, this team will stay in the top three or four of the NFC for the next several years. Yeah, I, I couldn't uh, disagree with any of your uh, comments there. Let's go back to last Thursday. That was the first day of the draft. And I was talking to a couple NFL people specifically about the draft and what the Packers might do if there were any, was any rumors, any scuttlebutt going around. And then the word started to filter out that Rodgers wanted out at Green Bay. And, and I kind of dismissed a couple of people called me and asked me about it. I said, Rodgers isn't going anywhere. They're not going to trade him. Well, we get to the uh, start of the draft. And I'm communicating with an NFL front office guy. And I just jokingly threw it out there. I said, so the Packers are going to uh, trade Aaron Rodgers, huh? And his response was, quote, they're trying. And I'll tell you what, when I read that, <laughs> I'm just like, whoa. I mean, I, you know, it was pretty common knowledge that Rodgers wanted to get out of Green Bay and still does want to get out of Green Bay. But when this official came back and said that the Packers were trying to accommodate him in a trade, it, it just took things to a whole new level. Yeah, Gary, and I would argue Aaron Rodgers took things to a whole new level on draft day, right? I mean, of, of all days to have all that information released, you know, have, having his people go to Adam Schefter at ESPN or Jay Glazer and, and, and say that he wants out of Green Bay and, you know, the various reports that were coming out, he didn't care for anybody in the management team, um, you know, things like that. Gary, for that to come out at 2 o'clock, on Thursday of the draft, five hours before the draft started, um, 
what was almost like him dropping a bomb inside that building. I mean, it, it really was. I'm Gary, I, I, I think of different companies, right? You know, a, a GE, a Miller Coors, something like that in our area. And think of your, you know, think, think of the executives there on their two or three biggest days of the year. If all of a sudden, you know, whatever, the, the building started on fire, the yeah, employees yeah. went on strike, right? Something to that effect. That's what Aaron Rodgers did. I mean, he gave the organization the all-time double bird on their biggest weekend of the season. I mean, we know, Gary, that this guy is totally driven by revenge and spite, um, dating all the way back, really, you know, to his, to his years back in high school when he was overlooked for a college scholarship. When, when he slipped to 24th in the draft, that's, that's what drove him for all those years. When, when, he, when he sat behind Brett for three years, you know, he, he was driven. Um, I saw a great column out there the other day, Gary, that, that said, you know, if Aaron Rodgers has a list, and, and if you make that list, you know, it's his, it's his bleep list, right? And, yeah. and, and, and there is no way to ever come off that list. Um, and he's had a list like that for 20 years, Gary, of, of people who he perceives has wronged him. Um, now Brian Gutekunst is on that list. You know, whether, whether Mark Murphy is on that list or not, you know, we, we don't know. Um, but I mean, Gary, that list dates back to, you know, the, his family, for example, uh, people he hasn't talked to and doesn't get along with and hasn't gotten along with for years. It, it dates back to, to Mike McCarthy, the coach he got fired late in the 2018 season. Um, it dates back to all sorts of people through his life who have, who have in his mind and his eyes, at least wronged him, Gary. How, how and, are you on and that? I'm just front, you, at, at the end of the day, <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, Gary, the one common denominator in all this continues to be Aaron Rodgers. He's a very difficult person. I think for most people to get along with, he's an employee that's almost, almost become unmanageable these days, Gary. And, and my belief is if that's where you are now, organizationally, you know, if you look at this Gary, like a marriage, this is the one right. And, and they're not going to reconcile. So Gary, if, if I'm green Bay at this point in time, undoubtedly I move on from him. Yeah. Um, Rob, you did a story, but what maybe a week ago, you said five possible teams, as I recall that Rogers could end up with. And, you know, that night, one of the rumors going around was, and, and it was totally a rumor. It was pretty bogus, but they were talking about possibly jettisoning Rogers to Seattle for Russell Wilson and, and other considerations. And uh, you know what? I, I think that trade would be perfect for both teams. And, you know, I don't know if, if such a deal is on the table or not, but uh, from my standpoint, I, I think it would be a heck of a trade for both teams. Yeah, Gary, I think there's a handful of possibilities. And I know a lot of people thought the Packers should do something before the draft and all these young quarterbacks uh, were taken. But but there's going to be four or five teams, undoubtedly, that come knocking on, on Gutekun's door and and make phone calls. That yeah, would which certainly are the five? Be I mean, in your mind, which are the five? Or Well, yeah, let, let's go number, through them. Any, any now, now, a couple I think the window was closed on in draft day. So the story, I, I think I wrote the story that day, Gary, where, where all the Rogers stuff went went crazy and viral. You know, San Francisco mm -hmm. was on that initial list, and, and they're obviously off it now since they took Trey Lance at, at number three in the draft. But let, let's start right away, Gary, with Denver. I, I got a text from a, a person I trust a lot in the AFC about 6 o'clock on draft night. You know, Gary, it's interesting. The Broncos had the ninth pick in the draft, and 
and then there were two quarterbacks sitting there that I thought made a lot of sense for them. Justin Fields uh, of Ohio State won and potentially Mac Jones, although that might have been a little bit high, the Alabama kid. And, and Denver's defense is pretty darn good, Gary. They don't necessarily need corners. And part of me thought, are they taking that pick for Green Bay? Um, the thing, though, there, Gary, is they obviously passed on a, on a quarterback. And I'm telling you what, they're not going to compete in that division with uh, with Drew Locke and with uh, Teddy Bridgewater. So, so Gary, my, my, my belief is Denver is clearly the front runner in this deal at this point in time. Mark Schlereth, who's really tight with John Elway, the Broncos GM. Of course, Schlereth, the old, line, old lineman who played with Elway and played for the Broncos has reported that that deal uh, could be close. And, and I think that makes a lot of sense, Gary, you know, no, number two would certainly be Oakland. John Gruden's been a Rogers fan forever. Um, he regrets passing on him all those years ago when he was, when he was with Tampa Bay and he took a running back uh, in the, in that particular draft and, and Aaron got away. And that could be a situation too, where you get back Carr, you know, from the Raiders and, and Carr serves as a bridge for a year or two, if you don't feel Jordan loves maybe ready to play 16 games this year. Mm-hmm. So I think Gary, the Raiders make a lot of sense. You mentioned Seattle. I would say that is certainly a possibility. A couple other teams, Gary, probably don't make a lot of sense right now. You know, we, I, I had put the jets in there prior to the draft. And, and I think that one's probably off the table. Now they just took Zach Wilson. Um, you know, Gary, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of teams that kind of feel they solve their, their quarterback issues probably on, on draft weekend. And the Dolphins have a ton of draft capital coming up after they fleeced Houston a couple of years ago for, uh, you know, in, in that trade for the tackle and, mm-hmm. and things like that. I mean, Gary, Houston's got a just a, 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 a flaming inferno going down there, don't they, with the Deshaun Watson stuff? What if they offered you a boatload or something like that for Aaron Rodgers and you could ship him off to Houston? I'm not sure Aaron would ever report there or go there, which could make that, <laughs> yeah. which could yeah. make that trade very tricky, Gary. But, you know, a team like that could jump up and, and try to get back in the mix. And, and you know, that, 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 that's a franchise that, you know, the people down there are completely down on and maybe bringing Rodgers in could, could kind of reverse some of their fortunes. But, you know, Gary, there's always going to be a surprise team or two along the way. Um, I think Gutekunst is, like I said, going to have four or five very solid offers a month from now. And it's, and it's going to take a month, Gary. This is going to linger because just the salary cap ramifications with this whole thing with Aaron yeah. Rodgers, it makes sense for the Packers to move him after June 1. They can save a ton of money against the cap that way. So it's going to last, you know, we're going to have, you know, day 8, day 9, day 10, day 11 of Aaron Rodgers drama here around our parts, Gary. And this is going to last into June but once we get to June again if I'm Brian Gutekunst and Mark Murphy's gonna obviously have to sign off on this I think it's the time to sell you'd be selling high and you're gonna have people bidding against each other Gary which is which is the key in any of these trades um you know when when team team A offers this and you go back to team B and they throw in another third and then team A throws in another second all of a sudden the, the pot gets a little bit sweeter so I think when it's all said and done, Gary, the Packers are going to be able to get a, a just just a king's ransom here for Aaron Rodgers, and I think that's the best direction they can go with the franchise. Yeah, um, yeah, we're we're going to have uh, more theories on the uh, Aaron Rodgers front than the uh, John Kennedy grassy knoll theories. But um, le- leading into the draft that day, 
Uh, I w- again, I was talking to an NFL guy who I truly respect. Uh, he, he's, he's very straightforward and candid. And he said the Jets might have blown this thing up. And he went on to explain that the Jets had the number two pick and everybody around the league was speculating they were going to take Kyle Pitts, okay? That they weren't going to trade Darnold, okay? So that would have meant Wilson drops down to three, correct? Right. And that's where the Packers and the 49ers would have danced. But the Jets threw a grenade out there by, by blowing up the draft. And uh, according to this guy, possibly the uh, Rodgers trade to San Francisco. Boy, that would have been something, Gary. I hadn't heard that rumor. You know, Wilson, I think Wilson in most people's mind was, was kind of the apple of the Jets' eye all the way along. Now, I know Pitts is almost a can't miss in one of the greatest tight end prospects maybe we've ever seen. But, boy, that, that, that would have been wild. And, you know, San Francisco is obviously set now, but that one made a lot of sense at the time Gary even though it's inside the conference um you know with with Lafleur and Shanahan having such a such a tight relationship I I mean I think when it's all said and done the Packers are going to ship him out of the NFC they don't they don't want to have to potentially run into Rodgers in the playoffs or mm-hmm. um you know in, in the regular season or anything like that but hey Gary you never know like we talked about Rodgers uh, the guy who is driven by spite and revenge could certainly work his way back to to what maybe Minnesota, Gary. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say history. Don't don't put anything past that guy. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, it, you know, history repeats. The Packers trade a uh, Hall of Fame quarterback to the Jets, right? <laughs> and then that guy ends up in Minnesota. That would be so wild. <laughs> but uh, hey, the, the other thing I wanted touch upon uh, this Aaron Rodgers, uh, again, fiasco, is how there have been reports that Rodgers was upset with Brian Gutekunst, not only drafting Jordan Love, which you and I have talked about ad nauseum, but that he was upset because they got rid of Jake uh, Krumero. And I'm thinking like, seriously? I mean, if that's his biggest beef with the Packers, Come on. I mean, that, 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 that didn't make any sense at all, but you know, that certainly, uh, you know, made the rounds. No, it, it did. And, and, you know, I, I laughed too. I mean, it's like, Oh, you know, was Aaron mad when they cut Ruvel Martin too? And you know, <laughs> random, random mediocre to bottom of the roster guys. I mean, Buffalo clearly felt the same way. They moved on from Kumro pretty quickly last year too. And, and I know you, UW Whitewater guys don't. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would have been upset, but I, I don't get why Aaron Rodgers would be upset. <laughs> because Gary Rodgers at 37, you know, he'll turn 38 this season, believes he needs to have more input uh, or at least some input in personnel decisions. And I, I've always argued when you, when you turn the asylum over to the inmates, you're setting yourself up for failure, Gary. It's like Ron Wolf used to say, as soon as I start listening to the fans, I'm going to become a fan. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll be sitting there right with them. And Brian Gutekunst has a job to do, Gary, and, and that, that, that's to assemble the best 53-man roster he can every single season. And Aaron Rodgers has a job to do, and that's to throw the football. And I'm old school, Gary. I'm not big on the belief 
that in, in today's professional sports, a general manager in any of the major sports, basketball, baseball, football, needs to ever go to their best player and get a deal okayed. Um, I mean, Gary, when you open up that can of worms and you almost bring a guy then like Rogers, you know, onto your scouting team and decision-making staff, there are going to be plenty of times now over the next, you know, year, two, four, five, whatever, where they disagree on personnel. So then what's going to happen? I mean, maybe in that case, Rogers shills for Kumro and they keep him around. But now the next time, you know, Gutekunst wants to get rid of a guard and Rogers likes the guard and Gutekunst gets rid of him anyways. And now there's hurt feelings over that one. I mean, when you bring him into those meetings and, and give him that level of power on a consistent basis, Gary, I think you're setting yourself up for failure. You know, if Aaron Rodgers someday, Gary, wants to own a football team, and make those decisions himself good for him go ahead and do that he'll have plenty of money to get into the nfl game someday if he if he wants to but right now his job is to you know uh go out there and perform as well as he can with the other 52 players that brian gutekunst gives him and there's a line there brian gutekunst is on one side of it to me gary and aaron's on the other and and gutekunst has a job to do again and 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 that's to acquire and assemble the talent and rock Rodgers has a job to do, and that's to go win with the talent that Gutekunst gives him. And, Gary, they've won plenty. They've won 26 games the last two years, um, you know, and at the end of the day, I, I still think they had at least as good, if not better, of a team than Tampa Bay last year, and the quarterback couldn't get them over the hump in the biggest game of the season. And, and he performed extremely poorly the previous year in the NFC title game against, uh, against San Francisco. So Rodgers wants to always find little reasons that, this didn't work or that didn't work he's never won Gary to grab a mirror and and look in it and point any blame at himself it's always it's always that guy and 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 that guy over there and and this guy over here um it's just who he is as a person it's who he is as a human Gary and and like I said earlier he's a remarkably tough individual I think uh for everybody else to try to coexist with yeah yeah you know getting back to the Kumaro report when, when I first heard that, I thought, you know, this is absolutely insane. I mean, there's no validity to it all. I mean, Rodgers can't be that stupid to nitpick over a backup wide receiver. I mean, he's what, like the fifth receiver on the Bills now? I mean, I, you know, he, he's lucky to be on some teams. I mean, really good teams in my mind. He, do I like Kumro? Absolutely. But, I mean, he's not DeAndre Hopkins. He's not Devontae. Uh, Adams, you know, any of those guys. But uh, when, when I saw that Ian Rappaport reported this, that, that took on a whole new life for me because he's, he's a very, very well-respected uh, NFL reporter. So that, there obviously was uh, legitimacy to it. Gary, Gary, and that's the other thing I, I just want to address real quickly through this, through this whole kind of drama and ordeal. You know, there's all these leaks. It's almost a leak every single day now, right? Um, right. You know, day one, Rogers wants out. Day two, he, he he can't stand the management team. Day three, he wants Brian Gutekunst fired, right? Day four, it's Jake Kumro. There'll, there'll be more and more. It's all these leaks, right? You, you just wish Rogers would have the courage and the kahunas to actually step forward and say something. Uh, because I can tell you exactly what he's going to do, Gary. If he winds up coming back to town, and, and I think the odds of that, Gary, are slim at this point. I'd say 10% or less. But let's just say he winds up coming back to Green Bay. 
he's gonna he's gonna totally spin this as a media creation. Um, he's 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 gonna say all these reports were false. Gary, he's the one putting all these reports out there through his people to his pals in the media across the NFL. But but I'm just telling I'm just telling you, uh, you know, if it's a month or two from now and he winds up coming back with with his you know head between his tail, that's how he's going to spin it. Um, I wish he'd have the courage to step up right now and just instead of being cryptic all the time, Gary, instead of kind of being whatever you know, manipulative and, and almost slimy. I, I, I wish he'd just step up and, and have the courage to say what he wants to say, because, you know, there's a number of fans out there that say, well, what does Aaron really think or this or that? No, you know, because he doesn't do that, Gary, right? He, he hides behind various reports that his people will leak and things like that. I mean, the Packers clearly know what's going on uh, with Aaron, you know, Gary, that, you know, they've sent the management team out there, everybody, right? Murphy, Gutekunst, Lafleur have all gone to try to reconcile with this guy. And right now it's been futile, but um, you know, from a public standpoint, Gary, I wish he'd have the courage to step up and say something. I mean, the Packers certainly did last weekend. They said their piece through the course of the draft. And I thought Brian Gutekunst handled that extremely well, Gary, but Rogers continues to hide. Yeah, you, you, you know what, I'm a, I'm a huge Brian Gutekunst fan, and I know a lot of the hatred for Brian Gutekunst goes back to, you know, drafting Jordan Love, etc. But um, I was a little disappointed. I, I thought he'd be more of a straight shooter, because when I heard that uh, on draft night about how the Packers were trying to trade Aaron Rodgers, and I got this from very, very good sources. Uh, and then he came out and said, you know, they're not trading, you know, Aaron Rodgers. And that was the company line coming out of Green Bay. And I go, I don't know. I, you know, you and I have been around this uh, game a long time and, and NFL or pro, pro uh, coaches, general managers, et cetera, they'll spin it to the way they want to spin it. I mean, there, there's no way around it. But uh, I was I was a little surprised that they were so adamant saying that, you know, he's going to be their quarterback for the future and uh, that he was so convincing and saying it, you know, um, when, when in fact, uh, you know, like you said, in June, he could be with another team. Yeah, Gary, I say this all the time, though, and, and I tell anybody who will listen to me, which aren't many people, um, but any anytime a, a coach, a GM, you know, uh, an owner, somebody like that gets in front of the camera, trust them about as much Gary as you trust politicians. And, you know, earlier in the week, Brian Gutekunst had said, Aaron Rodgers is quote unquote, our guy for yeah. quote unquote, the foreseeable future. Well, right. what, what is the foreseeable future, Gary? I mean, for, for you and me, that might be lunch right now, right? Or or our golf game tomorrow or something yeah. like that. The first, you know, he he used remarkably vague terms. And and you know that that probably poured a little gas on the fire as well. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that that he that he didn't say the right things about Aaron in that Monday press conference, and then three days later is is when Aaron went, you know, kind of public with 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 all his beefs and and things to that effect. But but Gary, don't put a lot of stock, as you well know. Don't put any real trust into what Gutekunst says with a microphone in front of him. It's very easy the last weekend in April, the first couple of days of May to say, you're not trading this guy. 
and then do a 180 in June when things don't go anywhere and somebody offers you three ones and two defensive starters exactly. or something like that, right? And, and I don't I don't think anybody in Wisconsin will be overly disappointed. Um, if if they get that kind of haul come back for him this this is dramatically different Gary to me than the summer of 08 there are certainly some parallels with how this is going to end with Aaron and the Packers and Brett and the Packers but if you remember I mean Brett wanted to come back to the Packers Brett wanted back into the building Aaron wants to get the hell out of the building and Mm -hmm. and that's why you know you see a lot of these public polls right now Gary that are trending about 70 30 against Rodgers when I remember back in, in in the summer of 08, Gary, it was 90-10, 95-5 in favor of Favre. And, um, you know, that's that's a major difference. And, and Gary, honestly, I think the fact that Brett, Brett Favre was so beloved by this state as a human. Aaron, Aaron, I don't think, ever really had quite that relationship. People loved how he played quarterback, and they loved him throwing touchdowns, but they didn't exactly love him as a guy. You know, everybody in this state loved the last quarterback as, as, as a guy because he was so real, right? You knew his, you knew his family, you knew, you knew Meemaw and you knew, you knew Jeff and Scott and Brittany and the whole gang. And, and with this guy there, there's been a little bit more of a disconnect on a, on a personal level. So, um, you know, Gary, I think when it, when it, when it's all said and done, if Brian Gutekunst is able to turn Aaron Rodgers around for a number of draft picks and a number of players or whatever the deal winds up being, nobody's going to remember that on April 30th or whatever the date was, he said, we're not going to trade Aaron Rodgers because if he gets a King's ransom for him. And again, if Jordan love can play, I think this is going to all work out just fine for the green Bay Packers. You're, you're absolutely right, Rob. I, I think it comes down to credibility and it, from a media standpoint, are you going to believe this guy going forward? And uh, I harken back to when Jason Kidd got fired uh, by the Bucks, and, and they had a young GM named Horst who came in there and he tried to convince everybody in the media that Joe Prunty was going to be the Bucks head coach, that they, you know, seriously were going to consider him as the permanent replacement and he threw out all this garbage. In the meantime, I, I had people in the organization and out of the organization Tell me that they were already, you know, interested in Budenholzer and they had a, a one or two other people as possibilities. So, you know, obviously Prunty didn't have a, a, a snowball's chance in hell of being the head coach, but here's your sure. GM telling everybody that, you know, he's, he's our guy, you know, and, <laughs> uh, I, again, you and I have been down this road many, many, many times over the years. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he uh, comes out of this, but, but you're absolutely right. I mean, if he gets a King's ransom for the uh, Rogers pick or the trade, who cares, right? <laughs> From the general public anyways. And Gary, again, I would be shocked if they don't. I know Rogers is 37, um, but there's a lot of coaches and GMs out there right now fighting for their lives and, and they may not see 2022 or, or 2023 and kind of like the bears did there, um, you know, trading away future draft picks to, you know, for, for that management team to kind of save their tails last weekend, there will be other organizations that do that, Gary, they, they will see Aaron, Aaron Rogers as, as kind of their life jacket and, and, and the guy who can potentially save their jobs, save their careers. Even, um, I mean, take Ryan Pace, for example, last week, Gary, if he doesn't get out of there with the quarterback and he goes to Andy Dalton this whole season and they're five and 11 
Ryan Pace is never a general manager again, right? So what does Ryan Pace, for example, care about mortgaging the future and trading away a couple extra ones down the road or something like that if Justin Fields can play, right? Ryan Pace now has five more years of job security. There will be other teams like that, Gary, that come knocking on Gutekunst's door. And again, at this point in time, they're going to have to wait till after June 1 because that's when the financials make the most sense. You know, so so we're going to have a long May, Gary. We're going to we're going to hear about the drama every single day through the through the course of May. But I'm telling you, once June comes, the Packers better have a plan in place. They again, they can't let this linger. They can't let this get to to training camp. They can't let this get through the preseason and even close to the regular season, because because, Gary, I firmly believe Rodgers is entirely dug in. Um, I don't think there's a snowball's chance that this guy comes back. So if you are the Packers, your, your two options are pretty much either move them or sit on the asset and force him to sit out the year and maybe even retire at some point in time. And I don't think, you know, I, I, happen, I, 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 yeah. right. I, you know, you're, 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 you're killing yourselves by, by doing that. You're wasting a, a, a huge chip, an outstanding, you know, a remarkable asset that you can turn around and, and, and again, swap for picks and, players so I think the Packers would be foolish to to sit on him for the whole year so they better have a plan in place Gary you know if they can't get to such and such a point with Rodgers by such and such a date then it's time to move on and move them in and I think that's what they'll do Gary because again Murphy can't let history repeat itself this cannot be like 2008 again where where the whole Brett Favre thing dragged through you know half the summer and it it, it really did kind of wreck the team for that 08 season Rob, we just spent about 40 minutes talking about one player that we know isn't going to be a part of the Packers' future. <laughs> moving on and talking about some guys that will be part of the uh, Packers' future, and that, of course, are uh, members of the Packers' 2021 draft class. And what I'd like to do, Rob, is pick your brains a little bit. The Packers made nine selections, and I'll, I'll read off the uh, – individual they chose and if you could give me a sentence or two uh, about that individual what you liked or didn't like and then finally a yay or a nay on the pick so we'll uh start it off with eric stokes the cornerback from georgia well first of all gary you know it's tough for me to keep it to a sentence or two but i'll do my, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do my damn just yeah you get a point there rob but <laughs> but your points are very good uh, interesting so. you know <laughs> Gary, you you can never go wrong with corners. Uh, Stokes ran a four two nine at his pro day in Georgia, uh, fastest time of, of of anybody in his positional group. There's he's got some growing to do, Gary. He he's not as polished as those guys that went up went above him up there, Horn and Sertan, for example. But there's a lot of upside there, Gary. They only have. I think one cornerback on the roster signed for 2022. Now they'll do Jair Alexander at some point in time, obviously, but, but Gary, they, they needed to upgrade that position opposite of Jair. They realize now, you know, Jair isn't going to see a whole lot of footballs during the course of a game. Um, there, no one's going to throw his way more than three, four times. So you better be strong at that opposite spot. You know, I don't think they are Gary with Kevin King. They've got a chance to be better with Stokes so yes I, I I do like the pick yay yeah you know what Rob uh when, when the Packers uh were on the clock you and I had talked about perhaps they would draft an offensive lineman and I, I had talked about Vera Jenkins uh Vera Tucker I should say from USC 
And uh, to move up and get him, you know, would have been just prohibited. But then, um, who's the other kid? Uh, Jenkins. Yep, the Oklahoma State kid, Gary. What was on the board. So I was kind of mildly surprised that they passed on him. But you know what? He dropped quite a few spots, and, and, and maybe there was an issue there. But then I thought perhaps they would go uh, defensive end because I didn't think there was any other wide receiver available at that time except maybe more. And, and again, more went what about five, six picks after the Packers. So it wasn't like, you know, he was, he was the hottest commodity at, at the time, but this guy, you know, texts me shortly before the pick and he says, they're taking a quarterback, a cornerback. And I go, okay. You know, considering how the board, you know, unraveled, you know, it, it makes sense. And he goes, I think it's going to be Tyson Campbell. <laughs> Well, he had, he had the right school, but the wrong guy. And, uh, yeah, I think Campbell went right away early thirties in round two, didn't he? He, he was the uh, first or second pick of the second round. Yeah. Correct. So, I mean, you know, I, I'd be curious to see what the Packers saw in Stokes over Campbell, but, uh, you know, again, because of, of the draft board situation, I, I thought it was a solid pick. And I'm with you, Gary. I, I think they trusted that there would be a really good offensive lineman sitting for them in, in the early sixties, they came back and picked 62. Um, and, and, and if let's just say Gary, for example, Stokes and Jenkins were their highest rated corner and old lineman at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and, and let's even say Gary, the grades were close and none of us know where, where Gutekunst had these guys graded, but, but let's, say he had a corner you know Stokes and, a, and an old lineman rated pretty close I'm sure Gary their belief was old line was deeper and they'd have a better chance to get one at 62 than they'd have to get you know a difference making corner and 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 it worked out pretty well for him Gary you know what well, I, I know we'll get to Myers here in a second you know but but they were able to find that offensive lineman in, in round two I I don't think there was any doubt Gary coming into this draft they had to get two or three for sure to even line up and play football in 2021 they're, they're they're pretty beat up to start the year and they, they lost some guys in free agency and and there were a lot of questions in terms of what they had coming back you know and, and then they went ahead and took one in round two round four round six they have the three they took last year in round six I mean Gary if three of those six guys can wind up playing they will be absolutely fine on the O-line moving forward okay yeah as you touched upon number two in the second round Josh Myers, center, Ohio State. Could be a plug-and-play guy, Gary. Um, I, I think he's going to be given every chance. You know, ironically, he'd step in and he'd replace an Ohio State guy in Corey Lindsley, who's now, you know, with, with the Chargers, who left in free agency. Um, two-year starter there, Gary, at, at Ohio State. I, I you know, he, 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 he certainly passes all the tests on the measurables. He's a little bit taller than the average center at six foot five. But uh, as I tweeted out on draft night, Gary, or the, the Friday night of the draft, uh, Jordan Love is six foot four, you know, like yeah. he's a couple inches bigger than Aaron Rodgers, And, and maybe Jordan Love wants a bigger center. Um, and maybe that played a part in the decision because there were a couple other centers on the board, including your guy from Whitewater Minerts that uh, yeah. Yeah, this, you know, this... I, I thought maybe could be in the running. He ended up being a third, but um, there were definitely some centers on, on, on the roster, but, uh, or I mean, on the draft board, Gary, but I think Myers has a chance right away. 
they're going to give him every chance, Gary, to be the center in, in 2021. Because if he is, you don't have to screw around then as much with those other guys on the line. I mean, we've talked about that before, just the versatility of an Elton Jenkins, of a Billy Turner. Even a Lucas Patrick could slide over and play center or left guard based on what you want. But you will leave the, you know, if, if Myers can play right away, Gary, and I'm sure their hope and belief is that he can, you don't have to mess and toy with those other guys a whole lot on the offensive line. Exactly. And once Bakhtiari comes back, that's a pretty damn good offensive line again. And, and now they've added some depth, Gary, because we know Runyon can play. They took Newman in the fourth. They've got, you know, Stepaniak coming back off that knee from last year. They took Cole Van Landen again in the sixth. I mean, they're going to have a lot of bodies now, Gary, and a lot of options. So, uh, but to Meyer specifically, Gary, um, you know, if I had to bet a dollar, I think he's their opening day starter at center. Yeah, I, I can agree with you more. They, they had a gaping hole there and they plugged it. Uh, third round, Amari Rogers. They traded up wide receiver Clemson. And uh, I would imagine he's going to get some playing time next season. Gary, this was my favorite pick of the draft for them. And I think it was Brian Gutekun's favorite pick of the draft too, because as, as he talked about, it was either Friday night or Saturday night. He told the story that at sitting at 62, he couldn't decide between Myers and Rogers. And um, he just saw then Myers and the offensive line probably being a greater need position than wide receiver. So he took the center at 62 out of Ohio state. And, and he said to his people, dang it, you know, we're probably going to lose Rogers. Well, as Rogers started to fall Gary in, you know, in round three, and he got to the middle part of that round. I mean, Gutekunst was sitting there at the end of the round and he was able to trade up. He, he thought he had three or four deals done, um, you know, in that 80 to 84 range. And, and then the team backed out of it because there was a guy in the board that they liked. Well, they were finally able to make the trade. They got Amari Rogers at pick 85 in, in round three. I think the trade was with Tennessee, Gary, if I remember right. Um, he's going to step in and help, I think, immediately, Gary. Um, he's small, five, nine and a half, but he's not, you know, he's short, but, he, but he's not, you know, tiny. He's 212. Um, so he's not built like a lot of these other slot guys, Gary, who are, you know, 5'10", 170, you know, 5'9 and a half, 181, something like that. He's not frail. Um, and that's what the Packers liked most about him is, is that he can work the middle of the field and, and probably do some damage, Gary, from a physicality uh, standpoint. He might not be as quick as some of these other slot guys that, that went, went above him, but I, I think playing in Lambeau, playing in Green Bay, playing when the weather gets cold and nasty, um, that extra 20 or 30 pounds, I think, will, will really help him. And, uh, Gary, I think right away he's probably a kid who comes in next year and, you know, we'll see who the quarterback is, obviously, but I think he's got a chance to catch 50 footballs working out of the slot. I mean, the Packers have not had, Gary, a legitimate slot guy since Randall Cobb left after 2018. And, and really, Randall Cobb at the end of his time in Green Bay was nothing like Randall Cobb at the start of his time in green Bay. So you're getting a, a, a really quick young player here in, in Amari Rogers. And, and I think he'll be a major difference maker right away. And Gary, not just working out of the slot, but in the return game too, we know how anemic the Packers return game has been the last 20 years. Let's say uh, Rogers has a chance to change that too. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't the uh, only one uh, enamored with the Mr. Rogers. Uh, I mean, Right after the pick was announced, I got a text uh, 
from a longtime NFL scout. And his comment was, great pick, exclamation point, exclamation point, loved him. <laughs> so, uh, again, you weren't alone on that pick. Uh, you know, he's not too, too at well, but he's pretty darn good. <laughs> yeah, I know. You'll be, you'll be compared to and two, two for a long time, won't you? Hey, my guy <laughs> won the second round. I, I couldn't believe it. You know what? Um, and he went to the Rams. I'm telling you, Rob, he's going to be a star with Stafford there. You're going to see some 50, 60-yard touchdown passes from that dude. He just, he just runs by people. So I, I know Gary, that head coach wanted another toy and they gave him one. And, and you're probably exactly right. That coach is so good and he's so smart. He will scheme at well to probably be a 10 touchdown a year guy. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Now that, you know, everybody has their favorite picks in this draft. This is mine. I, I think this guy is the sleeper in the whole, whole, whole group here. Uh, Royce Newman, offensive lineman from Mississippi. And, uh, you know, ironically, Rob, I think he's got the same measurables as Myers. I think they're like 6'5", 3'10", or whatever it is. But uh, I, I think this kid could be heard from uh, maybe perhaps as soon as next season. Oh, you're right, Gary. I mean, it's going to be fascinating to watch all these young guys. They took over the last couple of years, battle it out for, you know, a couple of guard spots and, you know, the center spot or whatever it turns out to be. And And, 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 and you're right. I mean. Newman will be given given every opportunity to do that. I I, I know some people, Gary, who really believe this was a reach, um, a slight. Mm-hmm. You know, he should have been a five or a six. He's, you know, he, Gary. We'll, we'll wait and see, right? He's got versatility. Yeah, yeah. He, he's been a guard. He's been a tackle. At you know during his time at at, at uh, Ole Miss, he's he's certainly shown that versatility, Gary. I, I think to you know maybe play him at a couple of different spots and. You know, if, if you have a hole here or there, he, he's got to get stronger, Gary. He can be bull rushed. Uh, certainly that was evident in, in his time at, at, at left there. I'm sorry, at right tackle. They might be able to hide him a little bit more if they have to play him right now uh, inside. But but he's a good athlete, Gary, overall, moves well. Um, you know, according to most reports, really good in space. You know, finds his targets quickly and, 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 and puts them on the ground. Um, We'll, again, Gary, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, when, yeah. When you you're right. You're, talk, you're, you're talking about a fourth rounder. God only knows, right? Yep. Yep. You know, but Gary, hey, hey, trace it back. They, they have been remarkably good in round four over the last decade or, you yes, know, so have. with with the fourth round offensive linemen, I, I think back, you know, uh, Josh Sitton was a four. TJ Lang, I think, I think was a four. Lindsley, for example, was a five. Um, you know, but, but they've done really well in those middle rounds that they're finding offensive linemen that, that turned into six, seven, eight year starters for them. And, you know, if, if, if this guy turns out to be even close to those three players, I just mentioned, then they obviously hit a home run. Okay. Um, these are real quick hits, two fives, two sixes in a seventh round pick for the Packers in the fifth, they took, uh, to Daryl Slayton defense tackle, Florida. And Shamar Jean, is it Jean or John Charles, cornerback? Yeah, I, truthfully, Gary, I don't even know. I just have to spell them, not say them. Um, yeah, you know, it's I, I, from Appalachian I, State, so you got to like that, if nothing else. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. We'll, we'll start with Slayton, Gary, one-year starter at Florida. Again, we'll see. He's 
got the size right now to spell Clark. I, I don't know that they can play together. Maybe they can on early downs to stuff the run. Um, he's probably a 15 to 20 snap a game guy at this point in time. Not much more than that, uh, but they needed some depth. You know, they lost Montrevious Adams up there and, and they've got to fill that spot. Otherwise it's, it's the same cast of characters, Gary coming back, um, you know, with let, let's be honest, was a pretty suspect run defense again last year. I think they ranked 18th in, in yards per carry um, given up by the, by, by opposing, opposing running back. So they'll, they'll hope that Slayton can kind of help fix that a little bit. I think Gary, you know, time will tell, I think he's a developmental player and now it's on the coaches, you know, what, what can they get out of him? They took Kiki in roughly that spot a couple of years ago and, and Kiki was third on the team last year with sacks Gary so you know if, if they're coached up right and Green Bay's got a really good defensive line coach there um that then they you know he might have a chance and again in round five you're you know you're, you're just hoping to strike gold at at some point in time uh, especially in a draft like this Gary which wasn't deep overall and a lot of people thought it fell off the cliff after about pick 120 or something like that uh-huh. uh Gene Charles from Appalachian State you know, Gary, his numbers look great. You know, all these passes defensed over the last couple of years led the country, this, that, and the other thing where, where, where you always become cynical is he's doing it against subpar competition, right? He's, he's not doing it in the big 10. He's not doing it in the Southeast conference. He's not doing it in the pac 12. So we'll find out when they get him to town, Gary. I mean, the numbers all look really good on, on him in terms of what he did at app state, Again, I think he led the country in, in passes, defense, passes broken up a year ago. But uh, let's see what happens now when he's lining up every day, uh, you know, against Devontae Adams or Amari Rogers or MVS or somebody like that. Exactly. And uh, moving on to the six. Now, if it, you, you should have all sorts of information on this, being the big Badger fan that you are. <laughs> Cole Van Lannen, what did you think? Didn't like it. Um, you did or didn't? Did not. No. Wow. Hey, you know, nice story, right? People yeah. write a lot, a lot of words about it over in, and, and he'll fill a lot of airtime on the local channels over the next, you know, six to nine months and through training camp or whatever is, you know, the Bayport kid tries to make the team Gary. He was a disappointment overall though, in his time at Wisconsin, which is why he fell to round six. I mean, a few years ago when he stepped into the lineup there, I know a lot of scouts and, and a lot of people across the country thought he'd be a one or a two when he eventually came into the league. That that clearly didn't happen. His, his performance level at Wisconsin wasn't particularly good. Um, he's not a great athlete, Gary. Um, I think he'd struggle on the edge against speed. Um, I'm not sure he can get to the second level if, if you have him inside and um, – you know, smart kid, good, good, hard worker, Gary, again, you know, a, a nice story. He'll, he'll be given every chance to carve out a niche on this football team. I, I just think that he's got some limitations, Gary, in, 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 in his, you know, in his game and in, in terms of athleticism, like we talked about a little bit and, and I'm not sure he's going to translate to the next level. Um, but again, I, you know, a lot of times, Gary, I give the Packers the benefit of the doubt on the offensive line picks because they've been really, really good at uncovering some gems over the last 20 or 30 years in these middle to later rounds. Maybe Van Lannan turns out to be one of those. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. But right now, Gary, you know, I'm going to give that one a thumbs down. Okay. And then uh, we got Isaiah McDuffie, linebacker, Boston College. 
in the sixth, and Kylan Hill, running back, Mississippi State, to conclude our Packard picks here. Yeah, let's let's start with McDuffie again, Gary. I inside linebacker was a huge need for them, and and I I get it. You, you know, they had four or five needs in this draft, right? Offensive line, uh, defensive line, corner, wide receiver, inside linebacker. I thought were the top five. The last one they hit was inside linebacker. So now, you know, you're you're getting the 220th player picked in a in an okay draft. It's not a great draft. It, it was pretty good, the top 75 picks, and then it wasn't great. You know, he's undersized a little bit, Gary, but they don't have great people there, right? I mean, it's 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 Chris Barnes, it's Kamal Martin, it's mm-hmm. it's it's Thorin Burks who can never win a job. It's it's Ty Summers who's really a special teams guy. So, I mean, I I guess you never know. It is telling though that Brian Gutekunst came out Saturday night and said he will in all likelihood sign a veteran uh, to compete at inside linebacker. Uh, for the for the 2021 season it tells you he's not totally yeah. sold and totally in love right with the Barnes Martin McDuffie yeah. potentially trio so you know he's probably a guy though Gary right away McDuffie who can step in help you a little bit on special teams and see if he grows and turns into something again you're taking a flyer down there at pick two. 20 in round six they needed another inside linebacker on that roster you know and we'll see he was kind of a swiss army knife guy at boston college gary he did a lot of things they'd blitz him he'd cover tight ends um i think he was fifth in the country even in tackles i mean so the the numbers look okay but but again he's a little bit undersized and 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 i'm not sure how well he translates to the next level and hill He'll make the team. I mean, they need a third running back with Jamal Williams gone. Dexter Williams isn't the answer to anybody's questions. He'll be gone. Um, they've, they've screwed around with him for two years and, and gotten, gotten absolutely nowhere. So no, Hill's interesting, Gary, right? He, he, he led the sec in rushing uh, as, as a junior and they kind of changed coaches and schemes and, and all that at Mississippi state. And um, he barely saw the ball um, in, in, in 2020, it was really a remarkable, uh, fall off the cliff kind of a story, but he, he has some of the, you know, I think, I think some of the measurables and the skill set, Gary, that, that they like. And, um, I, I, I certainly think he'll be the third running back on their roster when, when we get to the season opener, just because they didn't have a lot there after Jamal Williams left town. I mean, it's, it's going to be the Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon show, no doubt about it. I, and if Jordan Love, Gary, is the quarterback, they're going to be a run-first football team. I mean, they're going to run the ball 55% of the time if they do get the quarterback change in place here by, by 2021. But, you know, uh, Hill's going to have a chance, Gary, and um, there, there's some things he does pretty well in, in terms of what fits their system and fits their scheme. And, um, you know, obviously the key for him, it's, it's, it's going to be – a you know, a, a major jump. And, and last year kind of looks like a wasted year uh, for, for Kylan Hill. But, uh, but Gary, I, you know, I, I think the kid's got a chance to stick around for a few years. And again, I'd be shocked if he wasn't on the team uh, on, on the 53 man roster come, uh, you know, the first week of September. Yeah. You know, Rob, uh, you were invited to participate in a mock draft with about 50 other people, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I apologize. I, I blew it. I, I, there, there was something going on that night. I think if I remember right, oh yeah, the, the quarterback said he wanted <laughs> out of town. 
<laughs> well, anyways, in, in that mock draft, uh, you know, I, again, I don't have a problem with Gutekunst taking Stokes, you know, a cornerback. But I really thought at that juncture they were going to take Oway, the uh, defensive end from Penn State. And uh, it, it's interesting. Last year, I thought they should have took Patrick Queen, okay? Jason Oway goes to the Ravens you know, this year. So back-to-back years in which I thought uh, a guy for the Packers who could really help them fit a need, et cetera, ends up with the Ravens. So I'm starting to like that organization. (laughs) And what that means, I have no idea. But I I thought it was interesting because there were, who was the other, there was like a run in defensive ends at the tail end of the first round. And uh, I think two of them went right after, uh, the Packers took Stokes. Yeah, but I, I'm with you, though, on, on Baltimore as an organization, Gary. You want to track draft history over the last, let's say, 20 years since Ozzie Newsom even was running that that organization. Not many people do it better year in and year out than Baltimore. So um, I, I'm always fascinated, too, Gary, when, when they line up near where the Packers go to watch Green Bay's pick versus Baltimore's, for example. Think back to even, you know, Ron Wolf telling the story how he missed out on Ray Lewis by one pick. And, oh, yeah. and then he and then he was kind of thrown off his game. And I, you know, I think that's the year then he took John Michaels. I mean, can you imagine Ray Lewis on a defense with with Reggie White and Leroy Butler? Good God almighty, right? <laughs> if if that had panned out for for the Packers, they they would they would have won more than just the one Super Bowl, Gary. I tell you that. That that Broncos game in, in 97 would have looked a lot different with, uh, with Ray Lewis in a, in a Packer Jersey versus uh, Ray Lewis being a Ravens. So no, it's interesting. You bring that up because the Ravens are always one of the teams that I'm fascinated by and I follow pretty closely. So, um, but yes, overall Gary, yes, I, I did not get involved in it. Sadly this year, a a mock draft. I think I would have had about the first five or six, right. And that was going to be about it, Gary. After that, I don't think I would have had more than two or three. You, you know, Rob, I, I don't want to pat myself on my back, but I will. <laughs> I had 28 of the 32 players selected in the first round. Now, I didn't have them going to the exact teams. And that's what killed me in this, in this uh, pool. And incredibly enough, there were like a ton of guys that, that just did remarkably well as far as hitting, you know, picks right on the head. So... But uh, that, that was my moral victory that I got 28 of the 32. So um, moving on. A couple quick things before we wrap this up, Rob. Um, on the draft, perhaps in, at least in my mind, the, the, the biggest surprise in the first round was the Raiders taking Alex Leatherwood. Your biggest surprise? Yeah, I, I'd agree with that, Gary. You know, I thought I had Leatherwood circled as maybe a guy the Packers were going to take down there at 29, Gary, yes. and, and a lot of people thought he was a second-round pick, you know, where maybe Green Bay couldn't have gotten him at 62, for example, but if they moved up into the 40s, they could have got him. The Raiders always have a board, Gary, that looks a lot different, I think, than everybody else's. Year in and year out, they they seem to take a guy there, you know, dating back to Al Davis and, and now obviously under this, you know, Gruden-Mayock regime that most people think are, are goes about 20 picks too high. The Raiders were one of those teams, Gary, this offseason that for some reason, I mean, their offensive line was pretty good last year, but they blew it up and, and they let a lot of those guys leave or moved yeah. on from certain players. 
that they had to go back and, you know, absolutely replenish that line. I think a lot of people knew they might go O-line there at, what were they on the clock, Gary? 17, 18, 19, somewhere right in there. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah 17, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, but no, I, I'm with you. Leatherwood was, was as big of a surprise to me as anybody. The other surprise, Gary, to me was probably Sertan at nine to Denver. And, and not that he doesn't deserve or didn't deserve to go there. Um, but again, and, and we can certainly connect the dots and play conspiracy theory here. You know, Denver's not going to win any games uh, or, or, or win a whole heck of a lot of games in 2021 with Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. Um, you know, I, I thought that was the spot they'd maybe take Justin Fields. And the fact they took a corner, you know, again, convinced me even more that the Packers and the Broncos might be doing some business here a, a month yes. from now. and. Exactly. And, and, Denver, and Denver's next quarterback, uh, you know, might, might be the guy who's got a chance to host, host Jeopardy. So um, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see on that one, Gary, but that, that one certainly surprised me. And, and there, there were some flags that immediately went up when they took Sertan and not a quarterback. Yeah. And, and you know what? The Raiders are getting blasted for this pick because you and I both run to the assumption he's going to go late first, early second, but, the more I think about it, the, Leatherwood is a mountain of a man. I mean, he is he is a beast. And you know what? They got Josh Jacobs. And what a better way to really maximize the talents of Josh Jacobs than having this massive lineman, you know, to, to uh, run behind. So uh, in hindsight, I, I think it was actually a pretty good, good pick. The thing, Gary, that we always say, though, is – and, and you might absolutely be right. And if the guy turns out to be a 10 year pro and he's a two or three time pro bowler, no one's going to remember if he was picked 17 or right. 28 or whatever, but uh, you, you know how these things go. If, if he's higher on your board than everybody else's and you can move back six, eight, 10 spots and pick up an extra second and extra third. That's what a lot of teams try to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people knew the bears were desperate for a quarterback and, and, and certainly took advantage of that, you know, landing, landing extra picks for them. Even, even was it Dallas and Dallas went back, I think Gary, a couple of spots was, you know, yeah. it, it, from 10 to 12 was, that was divisional, right? Was that with Philadelphia? It doesn't even matter if you're in the same division, if, if, if teams sense that you, they can get that extra pick along the way you try to go ahead and do it. And, 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 and that to me is maybe where the Raiders should get banged on the most Gary for that particular pick is, is the fact they could have probably went down to let's say 25 and still got their man and picked up a third round pick along the way to do it. Yeah. You know, we, we were also talking about, you know, the Packers doing business with the Broncos. Um, can you imagine if Rogers ended up going to Denver who his center might be? My guy. There you, I, it took me a second to remember they took your guy. Yes. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be crazy? And, that, would, that, would, that would be, well, your guy's got to win the job first, Gary, but that would be fascinating. No, no question no, about no, it. No problem with that, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the other thing, too, about it is uh, Quinn Miners uh, is a, or was a, a huge New England Patriots fan. Okay. And it was because of Tom Brady. So uh, no, that that would be interesting to see 
how uh, things would unfold. He may not want to tell that to Rogers down the road. Well, you, you got it. That that was my point. I was going to make. But, uh... <laughs> Gary, Gary, he would he would make the list, right? He'd make Aaron's list. <laughs> You're a tough dude, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey uh, one other thing I, I noticed about the draft, I mean, we could talk about this for days, but I thought the Minnesota Vikings did a masterful job of manipulating the draft board. Uh, they, were, they were picking in the middle of the first round, then they moved back to 23, and they still got Christian Derrissaw. Uh, I, I thought it was just brilliant uh, how they worked that out. Gary, I was tweeting at, at one point in time for the Packers to jump up from 29 into the early 20s and, you know, and, and, and select that exact player, Darisaw, that you just mentioned. And, um, and again, Myers might turn out to be a really good player. The first lineman they took at, at 62, Stokes might be really good. The corner they took at 29. But, but man, we, we knew all line was far and away the number one yeah. glaring need and you know for green bay and and they could have gotten themselves there maybe a a 10-year player uh, a two-contract guy um and and then had some flexibility to, to bounce some other people around no i i'm with you the you know gary somebody said to me the other day you know who was who was the biggest winner in the in in the draft and and i said it's minnesota and it's not even because let's say of of who they took it's because the Aaron Rodgers fiasco is going to make Minnesota probably the favorite now in the NFC North when this is when this is all said and done and 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 it if, if the Packers wind up moving him let, let's be honest there's probably going to be a year or two of of kind of a reload slash rebuild in Green Bay and you know we saw last year Minnesota closed the year pretty strong after a pretty brutal start and you know if Green Bay does eventually move on Gary from from Rogers and turns this thing over to love. They're not going to be 14 and three or 12 and five, probably in love's first season, there's going to be some growing pains along the way. And who takes advantage of that? My guess is it's Minnesota and Chicago, but I think Minnesota's further ahead along uh, further along at this point than Chicago is and Minnesota probably then becomes the favorite in the division. All right, Rob, it's uh, that time of the uh, podcast when we uh, offer up our parting shots. We had talked throughout this podcast about the offensive line, and, and that's what my parting shot is going to be. Uh, in, our, in our last podcast, right before the draft, I suggested the Packers put a priority on drafting offensive linemen. I suggested the Packers make two of their top three picks offensive linemen. In fact, that didn't occur, but it was close to occurring. Uh, Gutekun selected two offensive linemen in his first four picks. The aforementioned uh, Josh Myers of Ohio State and Royce Newman of Mississippi in the fourth round. And, uh, you know, like you and I discussed, both of those guys have a chance to come in and contribute immediately, particularly Myers. Uh, I, I just can't see any reason why he wouldn't be the uh, Packers starting center from day one when he arrives in Green Bay. And they, they both have size. They're both 6'5", 310, as I had mentioned earlier. And uh, they fit perfectly into the Packers running game that eventually is going to be the heart and soul of their attack, uh, you know, with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. So, um, and, and I know you're not down, you're, you're down a little bit on Van Landed, but I thought it was worth the uh, roll of the dice to, to take a guy that 
you know, it does have some uh, intriguing uh, parts to his game. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, Gutekunst was fully cognizant the Packers had some gaping holes on the offensive line, especially after the, after the uh, departure of center Corey Lindsley and the uh, release of Rick Wagner. And Gutekunst wisely addressed him. Job well done, Mr. Gutekunst. I like it, Gary. I, I, I'm with you. They had to replenish that thing. They were going to have a hard time playing football in 2021 unless they loaded up that offensive line and they did it. So now we'll see if these guys can play. And um, if they can, they're not going to miss a beat up front. To be transparent, you threw this thing together on the run, didn't you? <laughs> well, I'm throwing it together right now, Gary. I, that's, that's, usually, that's usually how I operate. You know, spont- a, wing, a wing and a prayer. Spontaneity. I, I'm very impressed. I don't know what you're going to say, but I can't wait. <laughs> Gary, we know where this Aaron Rodgers stalemate stands today, right? Rodgers is dug into the ground saying he won't come back. The Packers say they're not going to trade him. Gary, at this point in time, to me, all eyes need to shift to Mark Murphy, who has the ultimate say, the final say, um, in terms of power and command inside the Packers organization. Murphy let 2008 Gary turn into a clown show over there in, in Green Bay. You know, he, he went down to Mississippi with a big bag of money and asked Brett Favre to stay retired when word started to leak that Favre was going to come back to the organization. Murphy knew that that thing could spin out of control if Brett came back to town. And eventually that's exactly what happened. You know, Brett immediately let word out that Murphy was down there. Murphy looked silly. And um, throughout the course of that summer, there was nothing but mass chaos in Green Bay. And it led to a big, it was a huge reason why the Packers struggled and were six and 10 in the 2008 season. Gary, Mark Murphy cannot let that happen again. You know, I know Brian Gutekunst is the GM. I know Russ Ball is the cap guy. I know Matt LaFleur is the head coach. But at the end of the day, Mark Murphy is as close as you're going to have to an owner in Green Bay. He has the final say on all these things. If they're going to trade him, he will sign off. If they're not going to trade him, he will sign off. Gary, he cannot let the this turn into the circus that 2008 was the best way for that to wind up and eventually happen in terms of having some kind of closure and more of a peaceful summer in green Bay is to move on and trade Aaron Rodgers. And again, the organization is remarkably fortunate. You know, the 37 year old quarterback is coming off. Let's arguably his finest year, Gary, as a Packer wins his third MVP, um, He's an incredible asset at this point in time. This isn't after 2017 when he broke a collarbone. It's not after 2018 when he played like garbage and got McCarthy fired. This is Rodgers coming off a 48 touchdown season. Mark Murphy, Gary needs to realize that. Um, He has to understand that for peace and harmony moving forward, um, the best move is to trade Aaron Rodgers. Gary, even if they somehow got him to come back to town, He's not going to be the same guy that he was last year. He's not going to be as motivated to go out there and play the winning football that he, that he did last season. His number one motivation right now, Gary clearly is to get out of town and all eyes down to me shift to Mark Murphy. He's the one who has to make this happen. He can't let this become a repeat of 2008 because that was a pretty darn bad movie, Gary. 
and they don't need a sequel. Rob, that was pretty damn good for off the cuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, my friend. Very impressive, but but uh, I, I couldn't couldn't agree with you more. Uh, yeah, very very well done. So, anything else you want to add before we uh, sign off here? No, I I just I think Packer Nation Gary needs to understand if you know if and when they eventually move on from Rogers, the sky is not falling. This is a really, really good football team. It's a, it's the, the running back combination, Gary, is as good as any team in football. The offensive line has a chance to remain a top five unit. You've got a Hall of Famer at left tackle. You've got a young pro bowler in Elton Jenkins. I mean, you've, you've got versatile pieces. You've got a wide receiver, Gary, and Devontae Adams that's on track for a potential Hall of Fame career. You've got pieces all around that defense. I mean, Gary, they brought back their top five players in the secondary, and they added a first-round draft pick to the secondary, mm -hmm. right? You've got exactly. both the Smiths. Rashawn Gary is an emerging player. Um, the defensive line is still semi-suspect to me, Gary, but, but top to bottom, you know, not counting the quarterback position, it, it's one of the five or six best rosters in football. Again, the whole key to everything here is can Jordan Love play? And if he can, Gary, it's going to remain an outstanding football team. If you need to bridge the gap for a year or two with a guy like Carr from the Raiders, if he came in a trade or something like that, then you go ahead and do it. And you're still going to be a playoff team, Gary. And then if Love turns out to be 80% of Patrick Mahomes down the road, you're challenging for Super Bowls. So the sky is not falling because number 12 wants to leave town, Gary. This is an opportunity for them to take full advantage of that and remain a viable um outstanding football team for the next decade you got it you know what i was just thinking of this as, as you were speaking you know if they make that trade with denver i want miners as part of the package <laughs> <laughs> so anyway I, I, i'm i'm sure you do <laughs> you, you you should be as you should be his agent gary and when he's on a second contract you can get him back to green bay there you go. I, I think he's doing just fine. So, Rob, uh, thanks thanks a ton. You, you were outstanding as usual. And uh, I also want to thank the listeners uh, for putting up with us. Uh, this is, I think, a marathon podcast, even for us. <laughs> so, again, thanks for listening and all the best. Take care. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWoofle and WooflesPressBox.com.